0: So today's daf is daf Yutes, page 19 in the Haligum Maseches Kxubis. We actually got uh, quite far down onto uh, today's daf. We're about a third of the way down, I would say um, 11 or 12 lines or so from the top of the Amr. We're up to the word gufa. All right, let's all take a moment to find the place. Gufa, it's the second word on the line. And here we go. All right, so we're continuing on the theme. Of, um, of uh, Documents Of shtares and testimony if Somebody says something about a document Do we believe him, what if he's going against Adem, what if he's going to testify About something that makes him look bad Do we trust a person to do that We know in general there's a rule of We don't trust a person To, to make themselves into somebody wicked So let's get going A piece of a previously Quoted text Amar Ravuna says in the name of Rahav Maida Fascinating. If somebody admits that he wrote a document, ain't Whoever Whoever's holding on to the document doesn't have to be Mikhayim the document. You don't need to be a mekayme. You don't have to give a fulfillment, meaning you we'll call it like notarized in our terms. You don't need to get it established. Okay? Now says the Gemara, why? Why is that true? Amar le' Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman said to Ravuna, who was quoting Rav, Ganuva, Ganuve Lomolach. Why? It's, it's as if, like, you stole these words. This psaq, right? It's as if you're stealing these words. You know, there's a, there's a, a cute quip. A quip, a little bit of wit. That they say about speakers, you know, very often you'll hear a speech. And how does the speaker end? The speaker ends by saying, so we should be, zayche together to greet Mashiach, Meinu amen. Right, that's a very common ending to a speech. Where'd that come from? So the joke is, that the Gemara says, that Omer. When you quote somebody in their name, May You bring Mashiach closer. If I quote Torah in the name of somebody who taught it to me, and I give it over to them, so I bring the gula closer. What happens when somebody gets up to speak? They they say a lot of vertlach uh, that make them it makes the person look very very smart, but they don't quote who taught it to them because I I want to be the one to look smart. What happens when you teach Torah and you don't and you don't? give credit to the one who taught the Torah, you push Mashiach further away. Instead of bringing Geula, so you didn't bring Geula. So to compensate every speaker, when they're done, they say, we should be, even though I just stole all this Torah, to greet Mashiach, (laughs) despite the fact that... Okay, that's the little quip. So here we go. See, Rav Nachman says, Rav Huna, why are you quoting this halacha? Now, not only uh, as your own halacha, but over here it means... As if this is the true halacha. Meaning, you're quoting a a das yachid. Why? If you hold like rev meyer, not everybody agrees with rev Mayor, but if you're going to quote rev meyer, say that the halacha is like rev meyer. Why are you going to say, in say this is a, a, as if there's no, uh, you know, th- there's no Tana who sourced you. On Barley, Sir Vuna said back, Okay, so he says, All right, very nice. So you want me to quote Rav Meir? What, what do you hold? Now, the Mepharshim here explain that he was responding in a, in a very vague way because Rav Huna was trying to figure out whether Rav Nachman argued on the halacha and that's why he was kind of, you know, uh, coming at him. Or whether he agreed with the halacha but he just wanted him to quote Rav Meir. He, he wasn't sure whether he, like, he disagreed with the whole halacha or not. So he says, Omar you know, what What do you hold the Maisa is the Allah Chasamarleh? He says, You should know, I hold that when the uh, the lenders come in front of Bezdin, Armin and Lahu will say, Go get your documents notarized, you know, go go establish them, and then come to court. Meaning, unless the document has been established as being MS and true, then even if somebody agrees that they, uh, that, that they were involved in writing the document, like an IOU, even if they agree, they wrote it. If it's not established in the Besden, we don't give it uh, full credibility. We're going to see soon some reasons why. Okay? Now let's keep going. On review to Marab, Reviewed, says the name of Rob. star shtar A'noinema. Fascinating. Somebody says, this is a shtar amana. What's a star Ammon? Surashi tells us that um, a borrower says like this. A borrower says, you know, generally the borrower writes the document, gives it to the lender, and now the lender has a document stating that the money is owed to them. What if, what if um, somebody says that actually I wrote the document for the lender, I gave it to the lender... But when it came time for the to actually give him the money, he never followed through. That's a shtar amana. Like I trusted him to lend me the money. That's why I gave him the document. I give you the document and you give me the money. But you, I say it's a shtar amana. I gave it to him because I trusted him. And the Maisa, even though he has a document stating that I borrowed $1,000, he never really gave it to me. So a person says this is a star amana, neman? We don't trust him. Now let's clarify. What does this mean? It says the Gemara, man. who's saying, who's claiming that this is a document that was written about a loan that never happened? Who's claiming it? The lender or the borrower? So let's clarify. the they're even going to tell me the borrower's claiming that I never got the money. So Pshita, of course we don't trust him. <laughs> you know why we don't trust him? Kol kamine. Who is he to say that? (laughs) The lender comes with a document stating that that the borrower owes $1,000. Reuven comes with a document that Shimon borrowed $1,000. Shimon's like, what do you mean he never gave me the money? If you're going to allow a borrower to say that, nobody's going to lend money anymore. So of course, we're not just, there's no chiddish over here to tell me we're not going to listen to Shimon. He's the borrower. (laughs) Every borrower is going to claim that they never got the money. So of course we don't listen to Shimon that it's a stara mana. The Ella, rather, if we're telling me a khidish, a novel idea, that shtara mona can't be collected, to kamar malve. What are you going to say? The lender is saying, I never gave him the money? Think about the case now. Ruv, Shimon gives a shtara mona to Ruvein, assuming is going to give him the thousand dollars. Now Ruvein has a document, and he comes to Bez and he says, by the way, I never lent the money to Shimon. You should know that. Let me ask you a question. Is there... Would we say "Einon Neman"? He's not trusted. Does that make any sense? Tovayolav Bracha. More blessing on his head. You're you're basically just forgiving alone. Like why wouldn't we believe you? Again, Reuven saying Shimon gave me a star of money. I never lent him the money. We don't trust you, Re- Why Why wouldn't we trust him? He's he's just saying. <laughs> He's just saying that Shimon doesn't owe him the money. Like, what's the big deal? Why wouldn't we trust him? So what's the case? There's got to be a chiddish here. Again, listen closely. This is basic stuff, right? Somebody's saying here that this is a document written with trust, assuming that the money's going to be given. Could the borrower say that? No. Could the lender say it? Of course. I mean, go forgive it. Alice, so what's the whole khidish over here? The Ka'amri Edim. Witnesses say... That we signed on a loan document, but we don't think the money ultimately was handed over to Shemin. That's what the Adem who signed on the document are saying. Okay? Now, says the Gemara, a similar question. If their signatures are, are being becoming known from other witnesses, meaning other witnesses say we know that these signatures are valid signatures, so pshita delai mehemni, the witnesses who signed also are not the ones who are impacting the star. so we, uh, we don't listen to them anyway. The i'da of yad and if their signatures are not being known, are not becoming known from further testimony, amay loy mehemni, why wouldn't we believe them? Meaning, again, what's the case? Ruvain has a document from Shimon stating that Shimon borrowed a thousand. The Edim, the witnesses are coming along and saying, you know, we ne- we signed that it was going to be done, but we never really saw the money handed over. So says the Gemara, we should believe the witnesses to tell us what they signed on. Again, the bottom line is, the Gemara is saying, where's the Chiddush here? Where's the Chiddush in her Yehuda Amarav's statement where he's saying, if a person says... Amun, a document written without it being known whether the money was handed over is not believed. Who's not believed? Clarify your statement on Yudam Marav. So now we're going to give three possibilities. Ready? Here we go. It says the Gemara Simon Ba'ish. The Simon, the way to remember the three answers are going to come from one source, which is Rava. That's the is Rava. Aleph is Abaye. And the Shin is Ravashi. So here we go. Omar Rava. Rava says, I'll tell you the case of Yudam Marav. The borrower is saying, I never got the money. Now, what's the question on that? Of course you're going to say that. Why? Of course we don't trust you. No, says the Gemara, But we're dealing with a situation that Rav Huna made a statement about. He says like this, that if somebody says, a document was written, but you don't need to be Makuyim, you don't need to have it... Um, you know uh, signed and sealed so it's still going to be valid the same thing is going to say over here as well the lender usually would be able to collect an iou even without clarifying the signatures okay so that's one possible case one again what's the what's the first case where we say, he's who's not trusted this is going about this is going on the borrower and he actually has a little bit of, bit of a leg to stand on by saying nobody ever established this as a kosher document. So it's a star We're still going to say we don't trust you. Okay, that's Rava's approach. Abayi, Omar Abayi says, No, we're dealing with the lender says I never gave him the money. Now what's the obvious question on that? So just be Michael it, right? Again, the lender saying I never gave him the money. No, we say, we don't believe you, lender. We don't believe you. I do you not believe me? Just don't collect the money. <laughs> That's it. You, if you you don't have to collect the money. Be Michael says it more like this. This is beautiful. And we actually just spoke about this on Shabbos. Ah. What does it mean, Shechov Lacherem? We're learning now about what's called Shibuda Derev Remember Shibuda Derev with our joke, what's the lean of Rev If Ruvein owes money to Shimon, and Shimon owes money to Levi, Reuven could go straight to Levi to collect the loan. She booted her of Nassen. Says the Gemara Uchder of Nassen. That Tanya would learn to nebrise her. Braisa. Rav Nassen, I says, How do you know if Reuven lends money to Shimon? And then Shimon lends money to his friend. So Shimon lends money to Levi. And zev, How do I know Reuven could go straight to Levi and take payment? Laymar, he could give it to the person... Who has Ashama, the one who has the obligation? That is Abai's answer. And let's explain. Ready? Says Abai like this beautiful. Ruvein lends money to. Uh, Ruvein has a document that Shimon owes him money. And now Ruvein is saying, I never really gave Shimon the money. We're saying to Ruvein, we don't trust you. You know why? Listen closely, Chevra. Ready? What if Reuven owed money to somebody else? Think about it. There's a document stating that Shimon owes money to Reuven. Reuven saying, no, you don't owe it to me. But here's the catch. Reuven's also in debt to somebody else. Call him Yaakov. If we say that Reuven never lent the money to Shimon, Yaakov cannot collect from Shimon anymore. So we say to Ruven, we don't trust you. Reuven, we don't trust you to say that Shimon never got the money from you. If there's a document stating you lent money to Shimon, we assume you lent money to Shimon and we're going to allow Yaakov to go straight to Shimon. And you cannot claim you never gave the money to Shimon because there's a document here. Clear? Is that Was that articulated okay? Okay. So... Again, the Gemara says, big deal, be Meichalit. The answer is, you can't just be Meichalit, because you also owe money. So somebody else wants to collect it from Shimon. so we're not going to trust Reuven. Okay, that's answer number two. Ravashi Yom Ravashi says, Really, we'll talk about a case where there are witnesses that that uh, that, that this is a Shtar Acher. And we're also dealing with a case where there's no verification of their signatures. And this that we said, well, there's no verification. And we're completely relying on these witnesses. And these witnesses are saying that it was never lent. So why wouldn't we trust them? I'll tell you why. beautiful. Listen closely. Because of Rav Kahana's reasoning. Rav Kahana says like this. Rav Huna says, it is against halacha for, for Reuven to hold on to a star amona in his domain. If Reuven never really gave the money to Shimon, he's not allowed to hold on to this document stating that Shimon owes him money. You're not allowed to hold on to it. It's a favor to hold on to that document. You know why? Because you have an avla in your Domain. Here's what's going to happen. Ready? What if Reuven dies, and in Reuven's domain, there's a document stating Shimon owes him money. Are Reuven's children going to know not to collect it from Shimon? No. And therefore, if you ever have a stara mona, says Rav Kahana, if you have ever stara mona in your property, you must tear it up, rip it up. You're not allowed to hold on to it. Okay, that's point number one. You hear, you hear? So it's forbidden to ever have a document in your domain without the loan actually having go- gone through. Because people aren't going to know. And it can lead to theft. Top of Ahmed Ravidi. And Rav Shisha says the name of Ravidi, Shmami no made the Rav Kahana. We can learn now from Rav Kahana's statement, If it's forbidden to hold on to a, a document like this, if any witness says, That we signed before the money was actually given over. You know what's going to happen there? We don't trust these witnesses. That's what it means. Witnesses say we signed on a document that was never followed through on. You know what we're going to say to them? We don't trust you. You know why? My timer. Why not? Why don't we trust them? Because it's forbidden to sign on it. And on the Avlahu, since it's an Avera to sign on such a document, if the money was never handed over, Avalto loi khasme. You know what we say? Eina de mesematsme, Russia. You're not allowed, we don't trust you to turn yourself into a Russia, and nobody signs on something that is, that is, uh, in Avera, And therefore we don't accept their testimony. So now what did Rav, Huna, Rav Yehuda Marav mean? When he said if somebody says it's a Shtar amana, We don't trust them. It's going on the witnesses. Who were forbidden to sign on it. If they're the ones saying Shtar amana, We say we don't trust you. Because then you're turning yourself into a wicked person. And we don't trust people to do that. Which is a fascinating concept. It's a fascinating, fascinating concept. that We don't trust people to say that they did. Embezden. To say that they did us. Okay. Says the Gemara, based upon... Now, we just gave three answers. Again, what was that sugi about? We had a statement of Arav, that Then this concept of shtar amana. Again, what's a shtar amana? A document that was it's like an IOU with witnesses and everything. But it's ultimately claimed that the loan, that the money was never handed over. Okay? Fine. And we gave a few explanations over... Who's not believed and what what that statement of inayn naman means? Whew, says the Gemara, beautiful. Amr of Yeshua Ben Levi, Yeshua Ben Levi says, you should know, you should know, and this is so so incredible. However, we need to think of various ways that this comes into our own homes, comes into our own neshamas, our own lives. Ready? It is against halacha to hold on to a a. Document of loan if it's already been paid up the moment a loan is paid up, you have to get rid of the document. The lender has to get rid of it. you know why? Mishum shenemar because it says altishkan it may not dwell but it's going to lead to confusion with other people and I'll tell you I mean this is I'll tell you even in a very direct way. This Gemara of Rebishu Malevi is telling us a very important message. Anybody who has family, who has friends, who has a will, who has bank statements, who has it's important to not have too much. Even though there's people have rights to privacy, but not too much. Um, what's the word? Ambiguity, right? Where like too many things are vague and unknown. Because it can lead to confusion if we're not around to explain what everything is and where everything is, it can lead to a lot of machlaikas. I haven't been in this world for too long, just a few decades. I've already seen many families involved in machlaikas, even in their parents' lifetime, in siblings' lifetimes, and whatever. There's too much. When there's a lack of clarity, there's it's it's terrible. It's it's a terrible thing. Mamish, it's avla, by avla. We're allowing a, a, a lack of clarity, to, which is going to lead to machloikas to dwell in our homes. Okay, we'll, we'll 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 stop with that. in Eretz Yisrael. They say the name of rav, and this is the beginning of the pasuk. Im oven if a person has Oven, transgressions in their hand. Make sure to distance yourself from it. Get rid of it. Whenever there's opportunity for an Avera in our homes, get rid of it. Not only financially. It could be, it could be uh, filters on things that we have. It can be uh, th- anything we bring into our home. It could be non-kosher items. Right? We, we just had this. Uh, somebody uh, was purchasing something for shul. They they were volunteering to purchase something from shul, uh, an item, and it was brought to shul to to be served. And Baruch Hashem, we have uh, the right, you know the right people. Some of them on our on our Zoom, uh, keeping eyes on it, right? And it wasn't the best texture, so you, you got to get rid of it right away. You can't let things uh, sit around because people aren't going to notice, and they may come this. You just get rid of it. Some people say, "Let me hold on to it for four weeks till I can give it to a You got rid of it. This way. It doesn't lead to any potential transgressions, of somebody not noticing and then uh, eating it uh, for snack that evening. Okay? You get rid of it. Says the Gemara oven. if something's in your hand, push it away. This is referring to a star amana, which we already explained, right? A document that's written, but the, the loan didn't actually go through. And also a star possum. What's a star possum? This is when somebody writes a document that they know is not true, but they want to look good in the eyes of others. So for example, here's, uh, here, here's the example. Um, Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Shimon wants to get a good credit score. He wants to show the bank that he's worthy of borrowing a lot of money, right? I'm sure they have many movies made on these situations. So what does Shimon do? He goes over to Reuven. He's like, hey, Reuven, write me a note stating you owe me $50 million. You're in debt to me. Now, we know you don't really own it. But if I can show them that I deal with big money, then people will think I'm rich and uh, got me further in life. Look at me further in life. You know, I'll be able to get a bigger loan. Yeah? That's called a star pasim. All right. So, what does it mean? Don't deal with star amunahs. Star pasim. It's even referring to a paid-up document. Once a loan is paid up, you get rid of that document. Do not keep it in your domain. Now, why? Says the Gemara. According to the opinion who says that Avla is referring to a Perua document that's already paid up, Kolchkin Staramana. Certainly, if you're not let to hold on to a document that's been paid up, certainly a document where where it was just done with on amuna, on trust, where nothing ever happened, certainly you, you can't you can't hold on to that. Okay? Umandomar Staramana and the one who says avo Avostar Perua light, will say that maybe it's not forbidden to hold on to a Document that's already been paid up. Why? Ready for this? This is very interesting. Sometimes people hold on to paid up documents for further obligations. For example, paying the sofer, paying the scribe. Let's explain. Here's what happens. Ruvein lends money to Shimon. The halacha is you have to have a proper document with witnesses stating the transaction happened. So Shimon's going to borrow $1,000. Who has to pay the sofa the $1,000? Very often, the lender will tell the borrower, listen, you're the one who wants to borrow the money. I need you to hire the sofa. And if you hire a sofa for $50 and he comes, I'll lend you the 1000 It's not interest. You're not paying me back anything extra, but you have to oversee this. See, here's what happens. Very often, the borrower cannot afford to pay the cipher. So the lender might say, I'll be a nice guy, I'll, let, I'll lay that money out too. I'll give you $1,000 plus 50 for the cipher. But you pay me back both. Okay, both charges. Comes a month later, and the borrower pays back the 1000 It's now called a paid-up document. The lender says, where's the other 50? He says, oh, I need another few days. So very often, the lender will hold on to that document Until the uh, we hold on to the star until the other 50 is paid up too. Okay, so says the Gemara, according to the opinion that a star amana is not allowed to be kept in your home. They may very well hold that a star, that a star parua a paid up document, maybe they would say is allowed. You know why? Because even though it's paid up, I still have another $50 that needs to be paid. Why can't I hold on to it till you completely uh, pay up for the other part? Right, even for the amount of the scribe. So that's the machleikas happening happening here. And again, what's the machleikas? Can I keep a paid-up loan in my home when I've been paid up for the loan, but not the sofa? One opinion is you cannot keep it because all the the document's on the thousand. You got your thousand. Get rid of the lo- Get get rid of the document. The other opinion is it's okay. It's okay since you weren't totally paid back. You are welcome to. Um, Hold on to it until the additional $50 happens, says the Gemara Viter. In we learned, safer She'enoy Muga. If you have a safer, also, fascinating, let's say you have a safer Torah with mistakes in it. It's non-kosher. You can't let it just lay around without <laughs> making sure that nobody's going to make a mistake. This is why when you have a Puzzle safer Torah, the halach is you have to make simanim on it. You have to put the guard on the outside. That's a that's a, some people do. But you have to make simon that nobody uses the Sefer Terror that's missing a letter. Or as an extra letter. They, they they might come to to think this is part of the Messiah and It's also for a person to keep a book in their home that has mistakes. You have up to thirty days to fix it. You can't just keep these forbid these books laying around. Because it says you cannot lead anything that can lead to Avla. It's already called, not even lead. It's already called an Avla. To keep something that's forbidden in our homes. Now, why is it forbidden? Because people can make mistakes. They're going to read the Sefer Torah with the mistake and they're going to think that's what the Torah says. Okay. Period. That's the end of that conversation. Here we go. Omar Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says, Edim amona hoyu devarenu. If witnesses sign on a document and they say that you should know it was written on a shtar Amon. Okay. Meaning we signed on the document, but it was because let's say the the borrower wrote a document and that he was going to borrow a thousand dollars. Shimon's in St. Louis. He has a document written with his cipher that he's going to borrow 1000 dollars from Ruvain in Chicago. So the witnesses sign. And now he has to go to Ruva to get the money. We don't know if he ever did. So witnesses say that when we signed it, it's a star amana. We trusted it would fall, it would go through. Now again, what, what did we say? Are you allowed to sign on a star amana? You're not allowed to. Because it's an avla. So it says the Gemara, if that's what they're saying, ain't amana. We don't trust them. We don't believe them. anu And if they say that... Um, um, you know, our, our Eidos was um, given even though we knew that the any specific sale, let's say they signed on a sale, that's what Rashi says over here, that's the case we're dealing with, and uh, he didn't really want it to work. Also, we don't trust them to say this, okay? Meaning, you have witnesses that sign on a document saying that a sale took place. And then they're saying that you should know the owner who was selling really told us, I don't want to sell, I'm kind of being forced. And that's what they're saying, that's what they're claiming. We ain't among them. We don't trust them either, okay. Mar Marbaravashi Mar says, If they say it was a amana, we don't believe them. But if on a sale they say that we were told, then they are believed. In other words, if the owner told them, he's being forced to sell. And they aid them come afterwards and say, You should know, we were told this before we signed. We do trust them over there. My time. What's the difference? Why, according to Mar Baravashi, if they say we signed on a loan that never happened, amana, we don't believe them? But if they say we signed on a forced sale, we do believe them. My time. Hai nitan loi niten likasev. Okay. The, the document of sale ultimately was permitted to be written. However, when it came to the loan, that was never allowed to be uh, that, that was not allowed to be written in the first place. Okay. Now, what's the difference? The answer is very simple. What happened by the case of the sale? The owner says, I'm being forced into this. What do you mean you're being forced into it? What do you mean you're being forced? Whatever. The mafia came. Well, the same way he's being forced, they also need a sign. So if they are to say, listen, let me tell you the facts. We signed it under duress. We'll trust them. Because they're not turning themselves into they're not. It's not Adam, mesim Atzmai, russia. They're doing what they needed to do at that time, so we'll trust them to say it was under duress. However, when it comes to when it comes to the uh, uh, shtar mana, when somebody by, by when the, the borrower himself is writing up a document that he's gonna borrow money and they don't see the money being handed over, are they allowed to sign on it? No. So by them claiming that they did this, we don't trust them because again they're turning themselves into rishon. Basic again, okay, very basic again. What, what's happening here? If they're testifying that what they signed on was an Avera, we don't trust them. But if they're saying that what we did wasn't Avera, we were forced into it, eh? so then we say, okay, fine. So we'll trust you to say that. <inaudible> 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 Rub asked a question searching for information from Rav Nachman. <inaudible> what is the Allah? If they say that we signed on something that was given out tonight, something that is given on condition. Okay, meaning they say we signed on this document, but there there was an added condition that was spoken about the document and we don't know whether that happened. We don't know whether it happened. Okay, so what's the, what's the halacha over there? Do we trust them or not? Now what's the case? Cases like this. What if the sellers, uh, somebody says, you know, Ruvain selling land to Shimon. And uh, he tells Shimon, listen, it'll be your land on condition that you eat meat 60 days in a row. So the witnesses, fine, they, they write up a contract, and the witnesses sign silent. it. Now, they're coming and saying, listen, we don't know if Shimon ate meat 60 days in a row. We signed on it, we just, we don't know if the condition was fulfilled. Okay? So, mahu, w- w- what is the Allah of them? So the Gemara explains. My amana when it comes to my being making known or a again something that was written off of Amuna of trust. The reason why we don't trust them at all because what are they accomplishing there? What they're trying to say is the whole document is not valid. They're removing their testimony. They're saying what we did is not valid. So to, so too over here. Maybe we'll say we don't trust them because by them saying we don't know if the condition was fulfilled, they're basically saying that we don't know if the document is kosher either. Or maybe when you want to, when they say that it was done conditionally, so they're not saying we signed on something that never happened. There's a chance that it happened. There's a chance that tonight was done and therefore it would be valid. So over here, the Gemara is just clarifying the Shilah. Do we trust them to say this that there's an added condition or not? So I'm So Nachman says back to Rav, come on Ludina. When they come to us, when they come to my Bezdin, i and Lahu, we will say to them, Zilu Kaimu Tanaihu, Now go ahead and fulfill your conditions, Bekhaiku Ladina, and then come down for Besden. You know what the bottom line is? He says, listen, as long as the witnesses, by saying there's a condition, are not totally uprooting the document, because they're still saying there's a chance it was fulfilled. So them when they hear this, you know what they're going to say? Okay, the Adem are saying there's a condition. They'll say to the buyer, go fulfill that condition now. And then we rid ourselves of any question. Until now, we thought it was a valid sale unconditionally. Now you want to add the condition? Do the condition, and then it'll be a valid sale. Meaning the bottom line is we do trust the Adem to say that. We do trust the witnesses. Okay. Next case. Aid Aimer. If you have a witness, one aid, a single witness, that says, Tanai, you should know I signed on the document, but I know there was an additional condition attached to it. So you have two witnesses who signed on the document, except one saying there was a condition. The Aid a Enai Tanai. The other witness is saying, no, I. I th- th- there was no tenai on that document. Okay? So they're both agreeing they signed on the document. The question is, did they know of any conditions, any strings attached? Okay? Fine. Now, keep in mind, in this case, they can both possibly be honest. They're not really arguing on each other. Because, as with any information, we always run the possibility one knew what was going on and one didn't. Right? You have two people who are in the same place, same time, and one, one heard what was said and one didn't hear what was said. That's it. They're not necessarily uh, challenging and saying no, the other one's a liar. One's saying, listen, I don't know. I, I think that one says, I heard there was a condition attached. I was like, I just never heard of such a thing. I don't know. Okay. But they both agree they signed on it. Interesting case. So, Amar Papa, Rav Papa says, "The bottom line is, both are giving edus that the document is a kosher document. They're both uh, they're both agreeing to that idea." Okay. And now, here is how we view it. Now we're saying, you know, and one witness is coming along and saying. It's a valid document, but I know there's, I heard a attached condition. Well, here's what happens. What a beautiful lamb this. We don't trust that condition. We don't believe him. Because we view this as additional testimony. And now you have one aid coming to contradict something that was given by two aid. Let's clarify. This is beautiful. We're going to, Basically, what Rav Papa is explaining is we're going to compartmentalize their words. So says Rav Papa, let's look at both witnesses' words. Are both witnesses saying that this document was valid? Yes. Okay, so we're done. We have a valid document. That's compartmentalized. Now close the drawer, close the compartment, and now open the next drawer. One witness is saying there was a stipulation attached. So we say one second. In that drawer, you have one witness saying a stipulation is dashed. But in our previous drawer, we already solidified two them saying it's a valid star. It's a valid document. So now I have one statement of condition trying to marginalize the previous statements. You can't do that. And therefore we're not gonna, we're not gonna be worried about an attached condition. Understand, once we compartmentalize the testimony, so we have two people testifying about the validity of the document, so we're good. Now, one person is saying, oh, but there's an attached condition. Yeah, we're not worried about that one person. We're still gonna stick with a valid document, no conditions attached. It's a major chiddish, right? We're basically, you know, uh, separating his statement and compartmentalizing and saying we believe part of what you're saying but since the other part of what you're saying argues on the other witness, eh, we're going we're, we're to let it be. Okay. Says the Gemara, Ravuna the son of Rabbi asked a challenging question, and he says like this, he says, If it's true, that we'll, we'll call it compartmentalize, We're going to place into different compartments the testimony of the document, as well as the condition, separate the condition. So, Afilu tarvayu nami, Even if both witnesses say that there was a condition, we shouldn't believe it. Ah, beautiful. Listen to this, ready? Let's talk outside for a moment. Two witnesses come and say it's a valid document. Okay, open that drawer, stick in, valid document. Close the drawer, open up the next drawer, and say what? Two witnesses say there's conditions attached. Are we going to listen to the second testimony over the first testimony? No. Well, why would we listen to the second group over the first group? He's asking a beautiful lumbar question. The moment you're willing to compartmentalize and separate statements, why only if one aid says there's a condition, do we not listen to the condition? Even if both say there's a condition, we should say go jump in the lake. Very nice, you're both saying that, but you already said in the beginning of your statement it's a valid star, So now you're basically arguing on your original thing. It's like two separate adam a group uh, coming to argue on the first group of Adem and why should we believe the second thing over the first thing? Ella, rather, Amrinon, Hani Lamekar, Saddasayukasi. So uh, we, we got to say that it must be that in, when they add the condition, they're actually coming to retract their original statement. He knows, he's saying like this, of course, if both, take it as a matter of fact, two witnesses come and say it's a valid document with conditions attached. No one's going to say to compartmentalize in that way. We're going to agree that basically what the witnesses are doing is saying that we're explaining how the document went down. It was kosher, but there's conditions attached. So they're kind of backing off of the first part of their statement, why don't we say the same thing by one witness? When one witness as well says, oh, but there's a condition attached, why don't we say like this? Instead of compartmentalizing and saying once against two, why don't we just say that the one witness, and if I, if this is not clear, tell me, okay? Let's say the one witness who said there's a condition is reopening drawer number one removing his testimony, and now I'm only left with one person testifying. Why don't we view it that way? Ask the Gemara. You hear? Beautiful Shiloh. According to the Lambdas, again, let's let's, let's say this again. According to the logic, which was, both of them are saying it's a valid document. One is adding a condition in a different drawer, and that different drawer can argue on drawer number one. That was the approach of one. Ask the Gemara, Why do you got to say that it's, that's a second drawer? Maybe when one witness says there was a condition attached, he's reopening drawer number one and removing his testimony. And now all I'm left with in drawer number one is one witness saying there's a document and that's not enough. Is that, is that good? Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Gewaldek. So we're going to stick with this svara. And the Gemara says, you should know, the hookasa kidravuna The is like Ravuna Bere Drav That when there is Eidos, I'm sorry, yeah, when there's when there's Eidos about a Tanai, about uh, conditions attached, we are going to uh, we are going to trust it, we are gonna believe it, and we're gonna say it's only gonna be a valid sale once all conditions are met. Beautiful. Okay. Period. End of that conversation. And now we're going to stick on this theme of edus of testimony, but give a new case. Here we go. We'll end off the daf with, the next, with one more conversation. Tana Rabbonon, the rabbis, learned and so should we. Shnayim chasumim umesu. If two people sign on a document, vamesu, and the witnesses die. Okay? Now, not uncommon. Nobody lives forever. Two other people come from the marketplace and they say, you should know, we know that it was the valid signatures of these two guys who passed away, but we also know we know they were forced to sign or at the time that they signed they were 11 years old or at the time that they signed they weren't allowed to testify okay, now how would you have such a case, it could even be it could either be a halachic a uh, reason of, of some Avera that they did that caused them to lose their us, or it could be some sort of relation uh, relationship that existed at the time and then ended with a divorce or whatever it was, okay? So we say, you, we know it was their signature, but at the time that they signed, there wasn't a valid signature. We trust the second group of witnesses to say, again, you have two witnesses signed, two other witnesses say, yeah, it is their signature, but there was... Other circumstances surrounding those signatures That make it invalid We'll trust them However, let's say there's other witnesses Who say that yes The original signatures were valid Without any issues Or we know it was their original signatures From a different uh, place a uh, Different source Mishtar shakara love ar ar behukzik So then, um, uh, and oh, for example, they say this is a document that issues uh, against it were brought. However, a bezden ultimately paskin that's valid. Then Ain Then the witnesses who are saying that something surrounding the document was off, we're not going to believe them, and we're still going to rely on the original signatures. Why? Because the validity of those signatures is not coming from the witnesses who are claiming issues. It's coming from a different source. It's coming from a different place. And therefore, we're going to trust those original signatures and we're going to say it's a valid document. It says the Gemara, And we're going to keep the document to, and collect alone like it's a regular non-issue document. This is the, it should take on the halachas of tre utrei. Trei utrei means two against two. And the Gemara is asking like this. If you have two witnesses that come and testify about something. And then two other witnesses come and argue on them. You know what you're left with? Nothing. As long as you didn't have a total psaq halacha. Okay? Or they're coming to argue. So you're left with, it's called tre utrey. Yeah, they, they counterbalance. Two witnesses this, two witnesses that. They knock each other off. There's an exception to this that we know. We'll get into it. And Maseches Makos. Of a zomim, right? When the initial uh, testimony is completely knocked off for other reasons that we'll get to. But in general, we say, listen, it's two uh, witnesses against two witnesses, and now we need to, <laughs> uh, we need to find a, a, a new set of witnesses. Okay. The bottom line is, the Gemara is asking a very simple question, and that is, you have two witnesses who say the document is not valid, because of, they were katanim, other reasons. Two other witnesses say, it is valid. So tre or tre, you're left with nothing. Why are we saying it's valid? Omar Ravsheshah Rav says, This is coming to say, it's coming to teach us, Fascinating. That the second set of witnesses that are coming to argue on the first set is the beginning of Hazama. And this is getting into the Sugya in Makos. What are Edom Zoymimen? Right? What are Adam's? The same way, let, we'll finish off this thought. And the same way, you could only be zome witnesses in front of them, so too. You could only argue on the original two sets of witnesses in front of them as well. And by our case, where are the original witnesses? The ones who signed on the document, what happened to them? What was the case? what was the case? They died. They kicked the bucket. So they're not here anymore. And therefore, if they're not here, can anybody argue? No. And that's why we say the document is still going to be kosher. Now let's just explain. And that's like this. Like, like we said before, really, you have two witnesses say one thing. Another two witnesses say, say another thing. Then we're going to say, this is regular u trey Two against two. We don't know who to listen to. You're left with nothing. However, Hazama is when you have one group that testifies that Yankul killed Shimon in St. Louis. Then a second group of witnesses come and they say no. Yankul could not have killed Shimon in St. Louis because... Givaldik Yankul was in Miami on that day, at that time, with us. And therefore, there's no way that you could testify that he killed Shimon. So... Then we're going to listen to the second group because they're not just saying, "Oh, the first group." Eh? They're saying it's impossible for you to give your original testimonies. Okay, and you have the halacha of uh, you have the halacha of kasha zama. Now the halacha by hazama is, and this is unique to, and, and the, the halacha by hazama is, in order to listen to the edim zayimim, you need to have the original edim there. So even though hakasha, arguing and hazama are really different. In some ways, they're similar. For example, says the Gemara, Hachasha will be similar to Azama in that if you're going to argue on a first set, that first set has to be present to do that. So when the second set, here's the whole chap, and we'll hold it here for today. L- let's, let's, let's say the case. Two witnesses sign on a document, they die. A second set comes along and says, they did sign, it is their signatures, but they were ketanim. Is that set even valid? No. You know why? Because in order for them to be valid, the first Adam need to be present. The first them are six feet under. So the second group never came. So now when two other witnesses show up and say it was totally fine, they're not even arguing on an existent group of witnesses. Because the group of witnesses claiming problems never existed we don't listen to them because they were arguing on a group of, they were arguing on Adem that weren't present. And therefore, we say the document is still valid. Beautiful. We'll hold it here for today. We will pick up again with this sugya tomorrow, same time, hopefully from Yushalayim. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.